0: we give you thanks. Anyone agree with that? Oh Lord, we give you thanks. Oh Lord, we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening everyone. It's so good to see you. It's so good to be here with you tonight. And as was said, we are continuing with our give thanks series. Say "Give give thanks. Give thanks. That's what we're doing today. And the title tonight is called, will you give it back to me? Will you give it back to me? It's almost like God saying to us, will you give it back to me? You know, God wants us all to come to a place where we are able to give genuine thanksgiving and genuine gratitude. A life where you're living giving genuine thanksgiving and genuine gratitude. Are you there yet? Anyone there? Anyone living that life? Oh. (laughs) Well, if you think about it, you know, I was thinking about it, we've got an entire education system which is designed to give us all sorts of knowledge and all sorts of wisdom about all sorts of different subjects. But if you notice, we are rarely schooled in the art of giving thanks. Rarely taught how to give thanks. You know, to be good at giving thanks means that you are able to give thanks to a high level. It means that you're willing and you're able. It means that you're moving past the superficial to the deep. Anyone want to do that tonight? Yeah, Yeah, move past the superficial to the deep. Well, getting good at giving thanks is actually a benefit to you also, because it's actually good for you. Because studies after studies after studies show that people who are good at giving thanks, these are people who have lower blood pressure, these are people who sleep better at night, these are people who have no issues with a number of disorders like anxiety and depression because gratitude kicks them out. And that's just speaking in the natural. What about spiritually? Spiritually speaking, if we think about it, gratitude, giving thanks, is God's invention. He made it. And tonight, I want to show you from the Bible that excelling at thanksgiving can unlock incredible blessings in your life. And it can bring you closer to God. First Timothy 4.4 says, Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but we should receive it with thanks. So turn to your neighbor and say to them, You need to get good at giving thanks. Let them know. You need to get good at giving thanks. That's it. Let them know one more time. You need to get good at giving thanks. You know, Some of you might be like, Corinne, what are you talking about? I'm really good at giving thanks. It's a natural thing. I say thank you all the time. I say please, and I say thank you. And you know, it's really true that many of us, we give thanks automatically. You know, when someone opens the door, we say thanks. When someone gives us something in a shop or serves us, we say thanks. When someone gives us a present, we're like, oh, wow, thanks. Even though we don't know what's in it or if we're going to like it. We say thanks, because thanks is a natural behaviour. But I want to tell you tonight that there are actually different levels of giving thanks. There are different levels of giving thanks. And the first basic level is exactly that. Customary gratitude is what I call it. Words of thanks, basic manners and basic etiquette. I think we have a little slide that covers this. Customary gratitude. And it's the level of thanks that we say and we learn as children. You know, I'm always saying to my children, say thank you. Don't forget to say thank you. Did you say thank you? Say thank you. And I say that because obviously we want children to grow up in a way where they would be saying thank you for the things that they're given. But we also want them to say it because we believe that hopefully they will grow up into adults who do it quite naturally, who say thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm grateful for what you've given me. Thank you. Now, I want to ask you a question. Since we're talking about thanks, you can shout out in this part. What are any of the things that you are grateful for in your life? Anyone can shout out. What are some of the things you're really grateful for? Your Good sleep, I heard. Louder, anyone else? Health, healing. Your salvation. Salvation. Any other thanks? Mercy. Food. Food. That's that's a real person there. Grateful for food. Anyone else? I can't hear you. The presence of the Holy Spirit. I like that. Spiritual answer. Praise the Lord. Well, there's lots of things that we can be grateful for. Someone said food. I believe someone said family. Someone said a job. Now, I think if you agree with me, the human condition is one where we have a lot of needs. Yeah, we have a lot of things that we need. And if you think about what some of those things are, they are definitely food, definitely water, definitely clothing, shelter, love. These are some of the things that we need. And when we have our basic needs met, how do we feel? Yeah, we feel good, we feel happy, we feel satisfied. Psalms 107, 8 to 9, it says, "'Let them give thanks to the Lord.'" for his unfailing love, and his faithful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things." Wow. And that leads me on to another type of thanks, the level two type of thanks, which I've called heartfelt thanks. Now, this type of thanks comes from genuine satisfaction and appreciation. You know, the other day I was reading about um, the story of a philosopher, and he was called G.K. Chesterton, and he lived in the 19th century. And G.K. Chesterton, he was a um, famous philosopher and writer, but he was very, very strong in that he was an atheist, and he did not believe in God. But he said, when he was around the age of 48, he began to think, he began to look at his life, and he began to realise that he was extremely grateful for many, many, many things but he didn't have anyone to thank because he didn't believe in God. And so he says famously, he says, the worst thing is when an atheist who is not a believer comes to that place when they realize that they're thankful, but they have no one to thank. Imagine that. Grateful, but you have no one to thank. So much in your life, but you can't even say thank you to anyone, you can't see past your situation, to maybe that there's a higher Lord who's given it to you all. And so that's what J.K. Chesterton wrote. But just like J.K. Chesterton, maybe you can point to life, um, moments in your own life where you were overwhelmed with gratitude. Can you remember any moments in your life where you were filled up with gratitude, where you were really grateful and really thankful, when you genuinely appreciated what someone did for you. You know, I always remember my wedding day. (laughs) It was a wonderful day because I was getting married to a wonderful man called Asani. Um, But it was also a wonderful day because we were um, opening our presents. And it was the end of the day. And we opened an envelope. And there was a huge check in the envelope from an uncle. And I was shocked. I was like, wow, what a blessing. I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful for this gift. And obviously it came at a time when we had a lot of debt to clear and pay for because the wedding had been um, a great day. But we had lots of things to pay for and it came at the perfect time. Now I'm sure there's moments in your life when someone did something that was really unexpected. Really like what would be almost random in your mind. And you were grateful and you appreciated it. You know, maybe you were grateful for that tax rebate that came through the door the other day. Anyone relate to that? That promotion at work? That kind comment that someone said to you when you were feeling down? Or maybe even the doctor's report that came out and was much better than you expected it to be? Give thanks. You know, when we dig a little deeper than ourselves, we realise that the blessings that we receive genuinely, as GK Chesterton realised... They're straight from the hand of God. The blessings we receive are straight from the hands of God. Psalm 91 says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell everybody about your wonderful deeds. Last week I was in Ikea, and um, I don't know if you shop there every, every now and then, but I was in Ikea. And I was in my favorite part of Ikea, which is actually the bargain corner. Now, I don't know if you know much about Ikea, but when you go downstairs, there's an area in Ikea where you can get bargains. And it's like ex display stuff that's been placed there um, by the staff. And so I was wandering through the bargain corner, and I don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, um, I must have dropped my phone. And I didn't realize, but I carried on, and I went to the till when I was going to buy a few things. And then when I got to the till, I was looking in my pocket, and I was like, oh, where's my phone? Where's my phone? I started looking through my bag, where's my phone? And I was really panicked. I was thinking, oh, no, where's my phone? What's happened? What's happened? And then I noticed a couple who were standing in front of me. And this couple, they had been in the bargain corner at the same time that I was in the bargain corner. And so I looked at the man, and I said to him, did I drop my phone? Did I drop my phone? And he looked at me, and he said, Yes. I think you dropped your phone in the bargain corner. And I thought, what? You saw me drop my phone. You didn't say anything? But anyway, I ran all the way back to the bargain corner. And I spoke to one of the staff members. And I said, I think I've dropped my phone. Please, can you help me? And he said, oh, yeah, I think someone's handed it in. But it's closing now. And it's too late. You're probably not going to get it back. And I said, but, but um, where can I go? And he said, go to the customer services place. So I ran all the way to the customer services. But I said, thanks first. I said, thanks. And I ran to the customer services place and it was really dark and there was just one man sitting there and I said to him Please you have to help me. I've lost my phone. Please. Can you help me get find my phone? And he and he looked at me and he said no, it's it's closing time There's no way you're gonna get your phone You know if you get your phone It will be in a few days time because they're gonna have to sort it out and send it off and all the rest of it And I looked to him and I was so upset and I thought no I need my phone, I need my phone. Anyway, there's a security guard walking past and I said to the security guard, please, can you help me? I really need my phone. Now, I know it might sound a bit dramatic, but I'm sure all of you can understand. (laughs) When you lose your phone, is it not disorientating? Yeah, it's completely disorientating. We have our our Bible app in our phone, hopefully. We have our our card details in our phone. We have phone numbers, we have everything. It's all stored in one place. And so when you lose your phone, it's really quite distressing. So I I spoke to the security guard, and then he said, yeah, I'll I'll radio up for you. And I was like, thank you. Thank you so much. I was like, thank you, Lord. And within minutes, this wonderful woman appeared, and she gave me my phone. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I say that to say, you know, not to tell you about my, my IKEA trips or to advertise a company or anything, but it is amazing that when things go our way, we are so quick to give thanks. Yeah, I was quick to give thanks, but I thought about it, and I thought, you know, if things had not gone my way, if I had not got my phone that night, would I have been able to give thanks? You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's say it together. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, that's quite a hard scripture to hear sometimes, especially when you think about things that you've gone through and how you felt when you were in the midst of something that was not working out. It's not always easy. You know, I think it's easy to give thanks when things are going your way. Thanks. It's easy to give thanks for the simple things. Thanks. It's easy to give things for the things. It's easy to give thanks for the things that make your life better. But what happens in life when things are not going your way? When you're under pressure? When you're struggling? When you've been waiting a long time and you have not had any answers? What does your Thanksgiving look like then? Do you have any thanks left? Or is it non-existent? Hmm. You know, today I want us to take a look at a woman in the Bible called Hannah. Now, Hannah comes to a place where she's able to give thanks in a way that I believe will challenge us all. If you have your Bible with you, or your Bible app with you on your phone, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, Hannah's story actually shows us how to move past customary gratitude. Thanks! Thanks! It shows us how to move past heartfelt thanks. Oh, I'm really grateful. Thanks. And she actually unlocks two new levels of thanksgiving. Now, Hannah cries out to God because she's in lack, and she does not have what she wants. Now, she's one of two wives married to a man called Elkanah in the Old Testament. Now, don't panic. It's one man and one woman, as Jesus says in Matthew 19. But in the Old Testament... Polygamy was rife, and so we're reading about a man who has two wives. So Hannah is married to Elkanah. Now her struggle is that she's barren and she's unable to conceive and have a baby. Now for Hannah it's made all the worse because she has another wife and a rival called Penina. And Penina is her rival who continually shames her. And continually torments her all the time. And Penina has many children. And every year, Hannah begs God for one child. She prays before the Lord and she says, Lord God, will you open my womb and will you bless me with one child? And year after year, Hannah prays this prayer. She's down on her face, she's crying out to the Lord, and she's praying for a child. But still, Hannah has no children and she's heartbroken. But what's interesting to me when I was reading this is that it says, every year, Hannah and her family made an annual pilgrimage to Shiloh to give thanks to God. Every year, Hannah and her family made an annual pilgrimage to Shiloh to give thanks to God. And Hannah's action of giving thanks to God when she was in that state teaches us about a third level of thanks which is thanksgiving in the suffering. Thanksgiving when you are suffering, when things are not going your way, when you're fed up, when you're struggling, when you are just feeling like, what is going on, Lord? Why can't you answer my prayer? Lord, I've cried out to you time and time again. Can you not hear me? Thanksgiving in the suffering. Now, for many of you, this might seem strange. Why would I give thanks when I'm suffering? Why, why would I do that? That's not a natural reaction. For some of you, it's like, when I'm suffering, everybody needs to know that I'm suffering. They need to hear my suffering. It needs to be real to them as much as it is to me, not less God, who I need to make sure knows that I'm suffering. Lord, have you heard my cries? Lord, have you heard my prayers? Lord, I'm suffering. Wow, Hannah. She is suffering, but she manages to give thanks in the suffering. You know, I really genuinely believe that tonight the Lord is challenging us to acquire new levels of thanksgiving and faith. Yeah? He wants to remind those of you who find yourself in this space, who find your space, put yourself in a place where things have not been answered. He wants to remind you, he wants to say to you, you know, I see you. I know you, I created you, I made you. I know what you're battling with. And I'm walking alongside you in this journey. I'm right next to you. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you, I'm right here with you. That's what the Lord says to us tonight. And he says, despite how you're feeling, can you be like Hannah? Can you come to the altar? and lift up a praise? Can you come to the altar and lift up a thanksgiving? Can you come to the altar and present yourself and your offering, even in your suffering? Just like Hannah. It's a hard thing to do, but that's what the Lord is saying to us today. Can you rise up above the level where you feel that you are? Above what you know, above your natural behaviors? When I think about Hannah, I think it would have been progressively harder and harder and harder for her to show up, to give her thanks every year. It would have been really hard for her to go up to the house of the Lord when there doesn't seem to be any change. But every year, Hannah still showed up and she still gave thanks. Now, a quick aside, I was thinking about this. One thing about thanksgiving in the suffering is that it reveals whether or not you have a conditional faith. Now, many of us, we have have a conditional faith, yeah? So we're like, Lord, if you give me this, then I'm going to do this. Or, Lord, if you give me this thing, then I'm going to start to serve you. And some of us say, Lord, if you give me an extra thousand pounds in my salary, then I will start to tithe you. Some of you say, Lord, if you give me this new job, I promise you, I will be at church every week. I promise you, Lord, I will join that ministry team that you told me to join. And then you get the job. And then you forget all about God. And then you think it was all about your wonderful abilities and how great you were in the first place. Do we forget God? Do we forget God when things go our way? Is it a conditional faith? Lord, if you give me this, then I'll give you that. You know, people of God, tonight, if you are operating with conditional faith, the Bible reminds us in Romans 12 that if you live by the flesh, you will die by the flesh. But if you live by the Spirit and put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You know, conditional faith, it might be enticing, it might be desiring, but it's actually very fleshly. It's actually damaging your relationship with God. It's actually showing the Lord that actually, Lord, I only come to you because I want something from from you. I don't come to you because I know you and I love you. I just need you, and I need you to do what I want. And if you're not doing that, Lord, well, I don't know quite how much I believe in you anymore conditional faith it's dangerous it's a dangerous thing and it's not in line with God's will but was Hannah showing conditional faith was that what she was doing we don't really know but every year she was going up to Shiloh was it in the hope that something would happen and that she would then start to serve God was she going to Shiloh out of habit to say a quick thanks but secretly she was bitter towards God we don't know why she was going, but maybe she was going to save face. Maybe culturally she didn't have an option because it would have looked like a disgrace if she didn't go up and at least make a customary gratitude of thanks. But when she goes up, Hannah is clearly a woman of faith, and in her language that's clearly displayed. And when she goes up in her suffering to pray, this time when we read about her in 1 Samuel 1.9, 1 Her heart gets the better of her. We're going to read from 1 Samuel 1, verse 9. So Hannah arose after they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of God. And she, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed to the Lord, and she wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Consecration. And it happened, as she continued to pray before the Lord, that Eli, the priest, watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, she spoke deep in her heart, and only her lips move like this. No sound, no sound, no sound. She was crying out. And Eli looked at her and he's like, what is she doing? Clearly this woman is drunk. And then Eli says to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. And then Hannah says to him, no, my Lord. I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. You know, sometimes the things that we have in our hearts, they spill out. They're seen in our physical stature. They're seen in our behavior. You know, you can always know when, someone, when someone's bitter or when someone's in anguish or in pain. Sometimes people try and mask stuff, but you can, you can see it in people's bodies. And Hannah wasn't even trying to contain it. She's like, look, I'm not even trying to hide this. What is inside? This sorrowful spirit, it needs to come up and out. And the only one I can talk to is the Lord. And the Bible calls this lament. When you're really crying out to the Lord, this is called lament. And Eli tells her in verse 17, after he realizes that she wasn't drunk, he says, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition. And Hannah goes away. And it says, her face, was no longer sad. Isn't it wonderful that in the place of surrendered prayer, I call it being wrecked in prayer, when you're wrecked in prayer, that we can come to a place where we are no longer sad? You know, we come to a place where it's almost like because we've so invested in the prayer and we're so emotional about what's happened that we don't contain ourselves, we just let it out before the Lord. And as we do that, it's almost like he, he, he holds us at that point and he lifts off pain supernaturally off us. You know, I've been in this church for many years and I can remember different parts of this room, this room, room, shall I say, where I have, maybe like up there, yeah, I've cried out in anguish to the Lord. And it's been bitter weeping, bitter crying. And it's been like, Lord, will you hear my prayer? Will you hear my prayer? And the best thing is that every time I've ever cried out like that to the Lord, as I've ended my tears, I've always felt better. I've always felt better. Because it's almost like when you release what is inside to the Lord, he removes that anguish of your soul. He takes that pain and he takes it away. It doesn't necessarily mean the situation got better, but it's almost like, Lord, I didn't have anyone else to come to. I could only come to you. Now, Hannah comes to a place where she surrendered her desire. If we think about the prayer she prayed, she has now come to a place where she has completely surrendered her desire. She's cried out so many times that now maybe the, chair, the prayer has slightly changed, and now she just says, Lord, You know, give me a son, and I'm going to give him straight back to you. Give me a son, and I'm just going to give him straight back to you. What kind of thanksgiving is that? Give me a son. I've been crying out for the son. Give me a son, Lord, and I'm just going to give him straight back to you. I believe it leads us on to a level four type of thanks, which I've called sacrificial thanks. Sacrificial thanks. It's where you've given it to God and you said, Lord, I'm ready to lay this thing down at your altar for your purposes. It says, I want to offer you a sacrifice, Lord. Now, sacrifice means that you give something valuable of yourself back to God as an act of devotion, as an act of worship. You give something that is valuable of yourself back to God as an act of worship. And we know God is the author of sacrifice. We know what God does in the sacrifice of his only son. You know, God is in the business of understanding and helping us to understand what true sacrifice looks like. If you think about it, God sends his only son, Jesus, to this earth to walk as man and God among men to make a way for us to let us know that there is eternity after this life. And Jesus comes as that sacrificial lamb and he lays down his life for all of us so that if we receive him, we would have eternal life in the Father. And so the Lord, he knows all about sacrifice. Jesus knows all about sacrifice. And so when we are learning about sacrifice here, it's a powerful instrument in God's hands. But is that why God answers her? Is that why Hannah's prayers are finally answered? Is it because she finally gets to a place where she says, you know what, Lord? I'm going to put my desires down. I'm going to put the love that I have for you above my desire. I'm going to put my needs below what you would want, Lord God. I'm going to put my needs down and I'm going to allow you, Lord, to operate and do what you want to do. Lord, I recognize that it's your way, not my way. It's your thoughts, not my thoughts. It's your understanding, not my understanding. Lord, your understanding is unsearchable. I couldn't even understand the things that you do and why you do them. Hannah gets to a place where she says, Lord, give me the son and I'll give him straight back to you. And it finally happens, Hannah gives birth to Samuel, and she keeps her promise, she does everything she's supposed to do, she weans him, and she takes him back to the Lord. Let's look at verse 26, let's look at what she says when she gives him back. She says, Oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I've also lent him to the Lord. And as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Amen. 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 Hannah's surrender, her sacrifice, her thanksgiving is poignant, and it reminds me of James 2, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Hannah's faith is tested, she doesn't give up. She perseveres in the face of suffering. And when her trial is over, it does seem that she comes to a new level, a new understanding. She comes to a place of maturity. It's almost like in the suffering, in the pain, in the prayer, in the, in the anguish, she's made complete, she's made mature, and she's no longer lacking. You might be here, sitting here thinking, well, you know what, if I get something from God and I want something from God, I'm definitely not going to give it back to him. If I've asked the Lord for something, and he finally gives it to me, and I finally see it, I'm not going to give it back to him. Is anyone thinking that here? I don't think anyone dare, dare admit it. <laughs> but most of us will be like, Lord, I've finally got what I want, and now I have to give it back to you. How does that work, Lord? You know, I remember when I was first a Christian, and um, we used to sing the song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. And there's a line in it where it says, Blessed be the name um, in the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. And I used to be like, Why are we singing this line? Why are we singing this line? There's pain in the offering. Everyone's singing this line. Why are we all singing? There's pain in the offering. Blessed be the name of the Lord. On the road marked with suffering. Now, I was a young Christian. I didn't get it. And I thought, wow, this is very strange. I don't want any pain when I'm giving an offering. I just want to give the offering. And it doesn't need to have pain in it. But then I realized, offering and pain. Sometimes when you're offering something, you're giving away something. And it might be painful for you. But it is good to offer things up to the Lord. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. This is what it says in Isaiah 30, 18. This is a revelation. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. I'm going to read it one more time. This is interesting. It's revelatory. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. You know, when there's pain in the offering, when we have to wait for the help of the Lord, these are some of the things that we don't talk about as Christians. These are some of the things that are ambiguous, that never really get to be dealt with in the language or in the the conversation that you might have with people. But these are some of the deep things that we go through as we learn to walk with God. That there is pain in the offering. That there are times when you're gonna have anguish of soul, That there are times when you're gonna come simply out of faith and obedience to give your offering. And it's gonna be hard. And it's gonna be difficult. And you're gonna have many questions for the Lord. But Hannah's sacrifice opens her up to new levels of blessing that she never thought possible. I'm sure the Hannah at the beginning of the story and the Hannah at the end of the story was completely blown away. Firstly, a few things that happen to Hannah as a result of her sacrificial thanksgiving. Number one, Hannah develops a new trust for the Lord. Now let's think about it. She finally has her one and only son, and she comes to the altar. She comes to Eli year after year, and she's given her son Samuel to him. Now, we know that Eli's sons were extremely corrupt, and that they were engaged in all sorts of terrible behaviors. And so there would have been a trust and a faith in her to realize that, you know what? I promised God that I was going to give Samuel to God, and I'm going to still obey my word. I'm still going to be obedient to what I said. And so she gets new levels of trust in the Lord, and she realizes that actually... The Lord knows best, and He knows the best place for Samuel. Number two, what happens is that Hannah she enjoys a new dimension of fellowship with the Lord when she makes this sacrificial thanksgiving, and it allows her to engage with the Holy Spirit in a way where, in verse in chapter two, you can read it, she's able to release a prophetic song into the earth because of her fellowship with the Lord. Now, I'll read you some of that song. It's so beautiful but it's her song which shows the power of her thanksgiving and the joy at the fact that she's delivered and she has deliverance. It says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Beautiful. Her song, as you can read the rest of it, but she just sings at a new level of understanding, at a new level of revelation. It's a beautiful thing. And then the third thing that happens to Hannah as a result of her sacrifice is that she gets blessings and ends up with a beautiful legacy. Her firstborn Samuel, he spends his whole life as a faithful and obedient servant of God. He grows up hearing the voice of God in the temple, and he grows up to operate as a priest, a prophet and a judge, and he anoints the first two kings of Israel, King Saul and King David. And then it says it, the line that I love the most. It says, the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Wow, the Lord was gracious to Hannah. At the end of that story... Hannah gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Can you imagine? You know, you're crying out to God for one baby, and then you end up being blessed with six. Multiplication. Yeah, this is God. Our God is in the business of multiplication. He's in the one who says, look, you can't outgive me anyway. You can't outgive me. You bring your sacrifice. You bring what you think was the most important thing to you. I'll oh, bless it. I'll make it more magnificent than you can ever imagine. I will multiply the blessing. You know, our God can bless us beyond our wildest dreams. He can bless us beyond even our understanding. You know, he says, give it back to me. And he says, give it back to me because he wants you to grow to new levels of faith and trust. Will you give it back to me? Will you give that thing that you've been holding on so deeply in your heart? Will you give it back to me? so that I can trust you with more. The Lord gave Jesus his only son, as I said, as a living sacrifice, so that we would have eternal life. He gave his only son, Jesus Christ, as a living sacrifice, so that the blood of Jesus would cleanse you from all your sins and would make you in right standing with God. The Lord says, I see you, I see many of you, and I know that you're walking through this difficult situation, but just like Hannah, will you come back to the altar week after week, day after day? Will you come to that place of prayer where you can still offer me up a praise, where you can still offer me up a thanksgiving, when you can still present yourself, your body, as an offering, and even give of the finances? The Lord wants us to know tonight that he is crying out for us. He is standing with us. He's standing with many of you in very, very tough situations and he sees what you're going through. But he's saying, tonight, will you give it back to him? Will you give those burdens to him tonight?